0: Welcome back to the Will and Rob Show. I am Will Stockdale, and as we've been doing for the last several weeks, we are continuing our summer series commons. Typically, Ministry to State hosts interns who are working on the Hill um, on Tuesday evenings to have a meal and fellowship, and have someone come and share about their life and um, what they what they would like for interns to know, and then have a time of Q and A. And since COVID nineteen has happened, and we're not able to meet in person like we would like to. Uh, As you know, we've switched to the podcast format so that the people that we had lined up that we're really excited about are still able to share their thoughts with you. And so this week, I am super excited to have Ann Crager with me. Um, Ann is a native of DC, and she works in ministry amidst all of the complexities and challenges that change from year to year. And uh, she's been discipling people uh, in their 20s, since around 1994, when she went to the Falls Church Anglican, and she helped launch their fellows program. And 2010, she joined the Navigators. And prior to COVID, which changed all of our lives, um, she would meet weekly at places like Whole Foods or Starbucks with people in their 20s and 30s, just talk about their life and faith and career and everything that comes with it. And I uh, have been a beneficiary of one of those Whole Foods conversations. Um, I got chilly and I just thoroughly was blessed and enjoyed getting to talk with you. And so before your time with Navigators though, you spent 10 years uh, working in the field of corporate leadership. She is married to George Patterson, who is a practicing ophthalmologist. Uh, Between them, they have six grown children and three grandchildren. And, uh, you know, one of the things also is you just, you live in community and you, you 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 live in a very loving community and you share your life. And so that's a really awesome uh, part of your story. And I had the privilege of meeting you through one of my really good friends shortly after I moved to DC and you have these breakfasts or these brunches that you host once a month uh, where a speaker comes in and we get a chance to kind of hang out and have someone share their thoughts uh, about anything from politics and Jeremiah uh, 29 to film. And so And I've just been very grateful to get to know you, uh, over the 10 months that I've been here, but I know that your story and ministry begins before you're starting with Navigators. So I would just love to hear some of your background and story and how you, um, ended up getting into ministry and the things that you've seen working with, you know, the Falls Church Fellows all the way up to the present time with Navigators.
1: Well, thanks, Will. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. I was very honored to be asked, and, um, and I'm happy to share all of, all of what I've got, and then we, you can ask questions, and, and, and we can have a, a, regular, a regular conversation. Um, so like Will said, I am a native to this area, and it's, it's somewhat unusual because all of my siblings, of which I have many, and all of our children, which you heard, we all have many, nearly all of them are right here in the Washington area. And uh, what's unusual about that is that it's a very transient area. And so people are people coming in like Will and then people leaving and often it has to do with the administration in the White House. So when administration comes in, it causes a lot of changes. And then so a whole new, a whole new crop of people arrive and they stay for as long as, as, as whoever's in, in the office stays and then they they go. So um, so being here for a long time has given me some perspective that it's not unusual, but it's, it's, it's interesting for me to be able to watch the trends and, and, and see what comes and what goes. My own story though, well, you were asking, so I was uh, always had been in a family, I was in a family that went to church every single Sunday. I never heard the gospel message for all my first 18 years. And so when I went to college, I was like, done and I stayed unfortunately done until I was about 31 and then uh, and then you know God did what he was going to do and he it's uh, he revealed himself to me in a very dramatic way which is a story for another time but but um, of course everything changes when that happens and everything changed internally and everything changed the way I viewed I viewed the kingdom And one of the things that I want to stress is that God is always at work. He doesn't miss a beat and he never misses an opportunity for growing us. And even even in those 31 years of basically being outside of the kingdom, it turns out that having that as part of my story has been very helpful as I've um, ministered to people in lots of different ways so that's that's another thing we can talk about later but a little bit about my work story so i was a stay-at-home mom for a long time i had four sons and um during that time after i came to christ i began to grow in my spiritual life and my understanding of things and eventually i, I you know attended the Falls church anglican which is a large evangelical church outside of washington and uh, that's where I began to just take on some leadership roles. And, and that led to this Falls Church Fellows Program, which was a very high rigor internship program that has, in fact, multiplied itself across the country a lot. So it's, it's it stood the test of time. I was just part of that launch. And, um, and we learned a lot of re- really, really important lessons. So, but we what the the nature of that program is... Uh, people in their twenties, right out of college, probably where many of you all sort of are. In fact, some of you may have heard of fellows' programs in different parts of the country. And so, I became very aware of the transition from college to to life in a big city. And so, all the things that we learned were that that I learned had to do with how to how to lead people, how to talk people through through meetings how to tease out the lessons that God was, God was giving to them, how to disciple them in a way that was congruent with the scriptures. Things like what you all have been talking about all year, I gather, is you know, capturing our thoughts, taking our thoughts captive to be obedient to Jesus. And the deep value of the decisions that we make like that around the thoughts that we choose play out strongly in our lives. So we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So I did, I did that for some years, and then, and then because I had done that work, I was able to, when I really needed actual money, I was able to get a job in the federal contracting world. And what this, this was a leadership development uh, gig, so to speak, where I helped install large, large formal mentoring programs into, into big government agencies. And so it was hard. And it was, sometimes it felt very dark. It was extremely secular. There was not any welcome to a spiritual conversation uh, for a long time until, until, you know, you have to be there for a while before that happens often. Not always, but often, often. And so, but I learned a lot there too. I learned how to be a professional person. I learned that it was really important to communicate well, clearly, and uh, politely. And I learned to say, to to do what I said I was going to do do, and to do it on time and to be competent at my work. And all of those lessons became part of my taking my thoughts captive because I had to very much concentrate on speaking to an unfriendly crowd lots of times. So that was i would say the stint of that that government job where i occasionally had a bad boss i had to you know do what you'd have to do with a bad boss you have to you have to think about them you have to pray for them you have to you have to serve them as best you can and you have to be especially good at your job so some of the lessons that i learned which you you will learn is you know confidence is a bullhorn for jesus and when we are, when we get it's not that we have to be perfect at our jobs. It's not that we come in and we know everything. We don't. But we continue to learn and improve. And so that comes with discipline and being, and being ready to, to take it on, with, you know, whatever it is. I learned not to cut corners. I learned to be excruciatingly honest. I learned to never, you know, don't take, that office pen belongs at the office. It doesn't belong at my house. So those kinds of lessons where I had, where, you know, we have to learn to be very, very scrupulous in our, in our personal choices. But it was also there that I, that I would say, this has to do with God calls us to certain, so to something, to some work. First of all, he calls us to himself. That's the first major thing. God calls us to himself and through his sovereignty, he forms us, shapes us, he, he you know, placed me in a family in, right outside of Washington, D.C., in the circumstances that I have. He's placed each of you in the circumstances in which you were born. And you, maybe you grew up in those same circumstances. Maybe you didn't. He, his sovereignty covers all of it. And so he then, he, but he also puts into our lives certain pieces of education. Different experiences that, that form us and shape us into a, a person that is, has a certain set of natural abilities. It's often augmented with good education. And with that he kind of places a, he places us in, in, in spots in his kingdom where he will be able to use us well. But sometimes it takes a long time to discern that that's what's happening. So when we talk about vocation, it's it's more it's about how he's forming us shaping us moving us into a certain uh, arena of a realm of of endeavor that we love and within that we might have this job for a certain season and then that might move into another job still within the same vocation so it's during that time when I was working for the consulting firm that I came to truly understand that the job that I was doing whether it was whether seemed like whether it was it was ministry or not it was it was solid work that god cared about he cared that i communicated to the senior leaders how they could best pass on their knowledge to the junior leaders he cared that i was respectful and and doing my job well he he if i made a mistake he cared that i apologized and made it right and and did better at it so when we have these jobs that are not what we think of as ministry jobs in a church or a, or a, or a par par church organization, our work in that workplace is just as sacred as work anywhere else. Even if it, even if it's, you know, being a priest. So all work is God's work. So it was some years later I worked, I worked there for 10 years and, um, I didn't love the job, but I needed the money. And sometimes that's how life works. I learned all those lessons I just shared with you while I was working in a job I was not nuts about. That's okay. That was, that was, part, of, that was part of the plan that God had for me. Later, I was invited to come in on... Oh, oh let me just say this. I would not have gotten that job with all that, those formal mentoring programs if I hadn't had the job at the fellows program. I wouldn't have had the next job that I got, which had to do with the Navigators, which is a large parachurch organization, a large ministry that I, if I hadn't had both of those jobs before that, that's what they valued, And that's what they were, they were looking for people that, that had a heart for ministry, which I did all the way through, regardless of where I was, but also that had the, the skills of a, of a professional corporation, as well as experience in ministry. So my point is that these one dot gets connected to another dot, gets connected to another dot, and so many times we can't see it until it's until it's years later. So that's all. That's all. You know, part of the part of the plan. The thing about God's sovereignty is, I think, a stunning a stunning uh, principle. Where, you know, it, it says in Psalm one thirty nine that you know we were He knit us together in our mother's womb. And then he follows us around. he sees everything we, he sees everything that our eyes have seen. he, is, he knows every, every place we've been, every person we've known, every conversation we've had, every show we've watched, every concert we've attended, every misadventure we've been involved in, and A, he loves us more than ever, and b, he doesn't waste anything and c he uses all those experiences for his own purposes in our lives and in his kingdom so as we learn to discipline our minds and our hearts to follow him we are we become more and more useful to him and to be discipled by him to make disciples and to to further his his purposes in in a million different ways so i wanted to say a few words about how the ideas that we have create the path ahead of us and, and the ideas that we hold on to, those ideas that we adopt. So my, my thought is, I mean, this is not, the concept is ideas have legs and that's not, origi- that's not an original thought with me. But the principle I think is, is so fascinating because our story starts with an idea. Now let's take the founding fathers. They started with an idea that independence would be a good is a good thing. We can do good things with independence. Now, as flawed as our nation is, and we all know it, but because of that, because of that idea, things got put into place that brought about certainly war and and hardship and but but liberation and eventually. Eventually, independence and a great experiment was launched and and here we are. Still flawed, still working hard to do a better job, have tons of work to do, I'm very aware. Um, So that's one example, but let's just say, what about Hitler's idea of the superiority of one race? Well, that led to deep horrors. He held on to that idea that one race was superior. And because that idea stuck, the legs, had, the legs that went out for that involved concentration camps, genocide, terrible things. How about Lenin holding to that one class was better? Or how about Churchill? Churchill's idea that the Nazis must not rule. And because that was his idea and he held to it, it took on the legs that involved you know the allies getting all, t- all together and, and winning that war. Before Jesus, I had this idea that nice things were fun to have and good. But what, ha- what that led me to down a darker path of anxiety and debt and misery. When Jesus entered into my life and I grasped the idea that God loves me, he, he has provided a way through his son that my sins can be forgiven and I can live a new life and I can glorify him and I can be part of his family and part of his team. That led to a, an entirely different outcome because that idea grew some legs. So so I urge you to be super alert in these coming years to the things that are in your life that God has either placed there and, and you've stumbled around with or has placed you in a, in a way to, that, that has given you access to things that to either people or ideas or institutions that, that are available to you, pay close attention. The people that you meet in these next five years of your life, there are so many people that you might, you might be able to help way down the road or they might be able to help you. But not only take your thoughts captive, but take all of the information that you can and, and gather it. And take every, every email address that comes in, put up, put this person in your contact list. Put, put every, every experience that you have, record it somehow. You can record this any way you want, but, but whether it's on your voice memos on your phone or an electro, just a big word document that you journal or a hand, handwritten document, these experiences that you are having now and you will be having in the next five to 10 or 50 years are ways, are, are, are ways that God is forming you and the ways that he's going to uh, perfect his kingdom and, and further it. And some of it will be great and some of it will feel terrible. And some of it will be the result of mistakes and some of it will be huge triumphs. But you will learn more from the mistakes than you will from the triumphs. That's the sad news but um persevere just 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 don't you know don't be discouraged i guess you had you had asked a, a thing about what are some of the common denominators about about you know living in washington dc mm-hmm. the first thing that comes up certainly is the transience, you know people moving in people moving out we have we have to get used to the fact that we will we will have friends in our lives that are face-to-face friends for a while and usually they will move that's okay we're still in the same kingdom. It's not our friendship will not be exactly the same. It won't, but we 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 can hold on to our friends with intention and care. That's one thing. Another thing is really the fast pace is real. The traffic is bad. The signage is not good. Am I right? Yeah.
0: No, I don't drive, and I wish I'll be bringing my car up in August, so I don't pay as much attention to it. But I have in my Uber trips have noticed. That the traffic is abysmal.
1: Yeah, it's bad. Now, during COVID, it hasn't been bad.
0: It's That's been actually dream. been pretty great. It's been a dream. <laughs> but
1: that, that will not last. Um, sometimes people are actually in a normal workplace hostile to Christianity. That's just true. Um, but it can be a very uh, shallow hostility because when the bottom drops out, everybody's looking for a spiritual solution. And so those of us who have the light of Jesus can stand steady. And we can be, we can be of real use during those times by not forcing people into Bible studies and not taking names and marching them off to church. However, that might be part of it. I mean, they might want to go to church, but, but more likely our steadiness and being a non-anxious presence in the middle of a very chaotic time is a, is, is a very valuable piece to be able to hold on to. Yeah. So fast paced, it gets crazy, but our can make a huge difference
0: and thank you so much for sharing all of that and the overarching theme that i think even from our own conversations and from what you've just shared is this idea of relying on god's sovereignty which almost 10 years out of college that idea is much more precious and sweet to me than those days right out of college and i had to rely on them at that age but um, at that point it was to keep myself from going crazy. I think it kind of worked that way too, but there's also just a real blessing that comes from remembering and trusting in God's sovereignty. And, you know, as we uh, think of this idea of ideas, having legs and these ways that people can be successful or not in DC and by success living a life that is honoring to God uh, and pleasing to him and and being life-giving people. um, How have you seen... Uh, church involvement be beneficial to men and women as they have moved to D.C. I'll,
1: I'll, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great question. Um, w- usually, people uh, don't move to D.C. with a pile of friends in the car. This is often you know they they've they've snagged a job they're very excited to have, and they've worked very hard to get here. And they usually show up by themselves, and it could be a, it could be a lonely place until you can find some friends. And so. Um, There are some amazing churches in this area, which is really a blessing and, and frankly, surprising. But, you know, given all that we have, all the the, um, kind of underbelly of our political system here and thriving, who would know that we would have so many really terrific churches? Now, I can't say that for all of them. And so we have, I mean, so... Typically, like I have a website, and on this website, I list, you know, these these are churches that that preach the gospel, and we and we, you know, they we like them. But there are other sources of that sort of information, and there are fellowship. So, so the churches are good, and and even though it's kind of lonely looking for a church, it's worth it. Find you know, if you can have one friend that is also looking for a church, then it, it can get it can help you a lot a lot, give you a long way. But there are also, fel- like if you work on Capitol Hill, and I'm not sure what sorts of jobs that, that you might have when you come to D.C., but on Capitol Hill, there are a good number of fellowship groups. There's um, Certainly, there's a navigator group. There's a, a, there, I know there's a faith and work group. There's lots. There's lots of Bible studies. It's, it's very surprising. But if you've got eyes to see it and you're listening for it, you will find them. So... That that's helpful. We do need community. We can't do this by ourselves. So I urge people to tap into the local churches and um, call me. I if you're in Washington, I will I will you know point you in, in some some good directions. There well, are also I'm... housing you know housing sites that that that's the other thing that people need. They need that more urgently usually when they get here than they're not thinking about church until they get a shelter yeah. over their heads. So. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned briefly and almost too much in passing the Falls Church Anglican Fellows Program. program mm. You mentioned this. It is that model has spread all around the country. I think yeah. there are at least 31 fellows programs around the states right now. I know. Crazy, right? It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I was in Dallas, there was a different iteration of it. And there's also one in Dallas uh, as well. Um have you seen changes and what kind of changes have you seen since you first started working in the fellows program to the men and women that you see just out of college now who oh, are here That's and, great. Like what's similar and what's different?
1: I still see a passion for if they if they have Oh gosh, it's hard to draw these these broad brush statements, but the people that that show up in Washington are passionate about being here. Um, They, again, they've worked really hard. What I see more today than I used to see in the past was a lot of anxiety, just a ton of anxiety because it's, you know, the competition is steep and um, it's hard to learn everything you think you need to learn. And and you, you get the feeling that, that, that people are, you know, super smart and you don't, you don't, you might not know everything. And, And so the the imposter syndrome sets in and you're afraid somebody's going to find out that you really don't know anything and you're going to, and you're, they're going to send you home in shame. Well, everybody feels that way, sadly. I mean, everybody, but a couple of egomaniacs. So, so it's that, that's just true. I mean, I think we all probably suffer from that from time to time. I sure do. So that, I think that's fairly steady, but the level of anxiety is, does seem to be particularly high
0: that imposter syndrome is something that I get and relate to strongly uh, for years. And it's a wicked trick of the enemy Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because he does, it's a two edge. It's like, Hey, you should really try this. And if you do, you know, then he gets you with, and now everyone's going to find out that you're right. He knocks
1: you in the kneecap.
0: Oh, it's wicked. It's so, but I think there's a lot of power also in mentioning what you said about anxiety of knowing that, I'm not the only one who feels this way, and that anxiety is right. acutely real. Here.
1: And, and when you're aware that, that p- there are people in your office or in your life that are experiencing this anxiety, and sometimes it's not immediately obvious, but that's, that is a call for walking alongside them and being that non-anxious presence that actually cares about them and, and can demonstrate love for them and invite them to get a cup of coffee or, or you know hang out after work. I tell you, some of the, you asked also about the pitfalls at some point. And I think this is, I think it's important. Let me, let me just describe what I have seen a lot of. Too many times people come to DC and, or to to a big city and, and they are, um, they're working really hard. They've found housing, but it's, it's with people that, you know, maybe just off a of Craigslist. They're not, these are not bad people, they're just, they're, but they're not necessarily friends. So we're not talking about a safe haven to go home to. We're talking about, you know, safety, but not, you know, not people we know and can share, share our hearts with. And then the people at work are often, you know, they're smart, they're uh, funny, they're articulate, they're um, cynical about spiritual things. And pretty soon it's easy to kind of drift away from what I knew was true about God when I got here. But you know, it somehow, it doesn't seem that important. Maybe it's, maybe it's not really real. I'm not even sure I'm into that anymore. And so then they, they kind of, they drift off. And I think this is so common, particularly in the first couple of years of coming. So lots of times people will, will say, well, I would I would be interested in getting involved in a, in a spiritual environment but not right now because I'm really busy working. And by the way, I'm really having fun too because these 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 happy hours after work are awesome. So there so there's the working real hard, going to happy hour, going home. Working hard, going to happy hour, going home. Going to going to work, working really hard, going to happy hour, getting drunk, t- going anywhere, waking up Oh, maybe and then going back to work and so this cycle starts and it's very difficult to extract ourselves from mm-hmm. so I think that is sort of the the dragon waiting we've got we've got to help each other not get into that pattern but we need to, to, to if we can if somebody is open to being like hey instead of going to happy hour you want to go t- I know this trail over here in uh, northwest you want to go doing something to break the pattern of of what all these other twenties and thirties are doing. And it does feel like that, even though it's not, it may not be all of them, but it does feel like that's, that's the, that's the route that, that people are on. And um, so just to be alert to those uh, pitfalls, those possible difficult paths.
0: Which ties so in so closely into the community aspect you're talking about, having mm-hmm. people who know us um, and to be guarding ourselves uh, as well. its this both are required to to watch out for ourselves and to know that we need other people to have the humility to be reaching out to to other men or women who can care for us and to mm-hmm. seek to care for them as well.
1: You know what one of the thing I would say, Will, is that if when people can find a community where there are older people that that will care about them, there are there are church communities that are poised to provide mentors. And just to be older friends, it doesn't mean you have to move in with them. It doesn't mean you have to get with them every single, you know, two days or whatever. But if, if, if you can invite someone to, like, here's the, here's the language. Hey, could I get with you once, you know, once every now and then just to, to talk about, about life and, and the world and how I'm experiencing? Would you, would you have time to do that? Most people will say yes. And it, because, A, they're flattered to be asked. And, and B, they might not think they have anything particularly to offer, but they do. And so the idea of a young person actually inviting them, it's probably not going to happen if you're, if you're waiting for an older person to ask you, hey, would you like to be mentored? That's not going to happen, most likely. So it's up to the younger person to go ahead and get over the awkwardness of asking an older person that they have something in common with. I mean, they've observed them somewhere. Uh, whether it's in the in the office space or it might be a church or it might be in the neighborhood or something. But hey, I've got, I've had some things lately. I would just like to run by somebody. Would you mind having giving me a little time over a cup of coffee next week? And then seeing where it goes.
0: That's great. That and that question also, just the simplicity of do you mind if I talk about life every yeah. now and then with you is so good. And to circle this back to the topic of anxiety, I think sometimes anxiety, for me at least, can be bad when I'm not sure where to go or what to do. And when those times arise, anxiety kind of like a um, like a slinky that's retracted back on itself, it gets all tangled. Anxiety comes from those moments of being unsettled. So, what advice or what thoughts would you give on direction and um, purpose? So, doing and purpose. Uh, as a way to combat anxiety and just to live well.
1: That's a great question, Will. It makes me think of the two words of telos and praxis. And telos is a Greek word that um, for the end to which I'm pointed. So what you referred to, I, sometimes I don't know where I'm going because I can't figure. It, I just I can't figure it out. But it's the end, purpose, or goal. That I'm kind of pointing to and if my end purpose if my world view has to do with God and his glory drawing us to him and to knowing just the gospel message that he he created us he loves us he has a plan for us he came here to save us and to to lead us to himself and that we would lead others if that's my telos that's going to influence my praxis and my praxis is my day-to-day stuff so the actions i i take the decisions i choose um, that will if i if they could get all wacky if i if i've lost my telos so another way of saying this would be my worldview what i believe is going to deeply influence what I say and what I do and how I work and where I work and what I'm, you know, how what I'm about. So my day-to-day steps and practices, the praxis, is an outflow of my telos. Let's think of a. Let's think of an example. I have an opportunity to uh, to take a trip. I have a. I've, I've saved my money. I've saved like you know eight thousand dollars, which is an amazing amount of money for me, and I have the possibility to go on a vacation to the Caribbean, which might be just fine. Or I might decide to take this, do this missions trip to Turkey. There's nothing wrong with the Caribbean vacation, particularly when you really need it. Any kind of vacation, self-care, I'm all about it. And so I'm not, I'm not sure this is going to be a great, a great example, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, my telos, my worldview, is that this this trip to Turkey could really make a difference. I'm going with a group of people who have a, a very clear vision for what we would be doing there, and there would be um, there would be work, and there would be thinking and talking and praying and um, having influence, good influence, etc. I think I'll probably do that trip, and I'm on that trip. I might get really sick, and I might I don't know I might die. But that telos has led me on this path of high purpose and, and gain and growth. I think I I I'm not sure this can really do the concept justice, but the but the idea is when we when we can identify and get clear with with ourselves and with the Lord about what our telos is, what is our view of life, what is our our uh, end goal and our end game is to, to be with Him and glorify Him and bring others to that, then that will really order our steps.
0: I love that, Anne. That's really great. Take Especially when right? you combine the idea yeah. of worldview and tell us. So as we know where we're going, what God has created us for. That wonderful first shorter catechism question what is the chief end of man? And it's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And we have scripture to inform us how we are to do that. And we also have a scripture again, and we have the traditions of better people than us before who have lived life well, that we can look to, to help us fill in the gaps and to, to, to make not even fill in the gaps that might be too, too low of a view to create an abundance for us to pull from and to construct a life out of. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for uh, for visiting with me. And I'm going to make sure I put your email on there so that people can take okay. you off, uh, on okay, their information great. page so people can reach out to you whenever they get up to D.C.
1: Sure. And so, yeah, I'd be happy to, happy to talk.
0: Well, thank you. Well, again, thank you so much for tuning in to the Will and Rob Schell-Meal Stockdale. And we look forward to being with you next week.